Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Today's guest is Sean Rock, the co-founder of Hi.com. Sean was previously the founding chief marketing officer for Crypto.com, where he led the charge to create the fintech's first 3 million customers across the globe. He joined Crypto.com when they were 12 people and helped them scale up. At Hi.com, they started about a year ago, and they now have a $180 million market cap in their token over 100 employees, and millions of users on their web and mobile app. So we learned how Sean helped scale high.com, what the story was, and what they're intending on doing in the future. It was a fascinating conversation about viral marketing growth. So if you're interested in that, tune in, and I hope you enjoy the show. Today's show is sponsored by Otter Labs at HireOtter.com. You can find a great resource if you're looking for full-time, long-term software developers to join your startup. If you're hiring down in South America, Otter Labs has over 1,500 developers that are in the community and available to work with remote teams. So check out more details at HireOtter.com, and I hope you enjoy the show with Sean Rock. All right, Sean, I'm excited to go live with you and, and get to know you a little bit more. Um, you run a really cool project called Hi.com. Uh, why don't we start with just describing what Hi is and the uh, impetus for starting the project? Yeah, well, in short, uh, Hi is a crypto uh, banking mobile app, uh, which got savings, investment, payments, all in one. So you can think of it uh, as your PayPal, Revolut, Re Robinhood, all in one. Uh, and I think one of the things that we see is that sounds like it could be very complex. And thus, the real focus on our end is to, to get rid of the overly complex experiences that people have had to deal with. Um, we are talking about blockchain and those type of things, but we keep the jargon to the side. Uh, and make it very simple for people. Um, there's a big gap between what people would like, which many people would like to have crypto or digital assets, and what they have. They have traditional or fiat currencies. And so what is that nice bridge between the two? Uh, and that's what we're trying to build. And then I think the last thing uh, that we see, and it's, you know, uh, today for some people, but maybe tomorrow for some others, is really the DeFi experiences. And how, how do you simplify that? And how do you kind of make make uh, make it work for all the fragmented DeFi experiences? 
So for us, um, you, you asked the question, how did it get started and why did it get started? I, I think it actually goes back to something that uh, my background, um, if, if you'll give me just two seconds, uh, been, been on both the client marketer side, uh, ran a marketing agency, was kind of a digital pioneer, um, you know, all the way back to Hallmark.com launching. Uh, so uh, that was a great experience. But Really got involved with financial services, working with the likes of American Express, was later uh, the Asia regional CMO of Prudential, um, which is a uh, the UK insurance uh, company. And when I was looking at all that, uh, you, you start wondering, how do we foster innovation inside large corporates? Um, and led me to ultimately finish the corporate side and go to the entrepreneurship side and uh, made a move into what became Crypto.com. So uh, it was Monaco at the time. I became the uh, kind of the first CMO. Uh, and obviously, they've gone from strength to strength. Uh, when I finished up uh, in early 2020, it was about 3 million customers that we had uh, uh, gained that, that, at that point and uh, really built an ecosystem but why high? I took a break and uh, for, for many reasons, a little hiatus, uh, sabbatical, and was uh, planning to do some other stuff. And uh, the co-founding team, we kind of all got together and we're having chats, as you do, kind of like you guys got together with your, your two buds uh, to, to start this. And it really just came to the point why hasn't it been done? And what is the it? The it is it should be as easy to send uh, money as uh, sending a text. And I, I will fully attribute that to the Libra white paper, um, but it wasn't done. And we looked at uh, what could we do with chat apps to onboard people to make it simple. And it wasn't that hard. So we had some friends who could put together a working demo. And once we tried it out, we looked at each other and said, should we do this? And the answer is, let's do it. And that's that's what happened. So in uh, we worked on that <clears throat> some from the beginning of 2021 till about uh, May, we launched it. And uh, the response, you know, as an entrepreneur, you put things together and you hope that people will enjoy it. And it's the response has been overwhelming. So we're um, over 3.2 million uh, members globally in about 180 something uh, countries. Uh, and, you know, f for us, I, I think we are very humble and we appreciate the support because we are building uh, and we're building as rapidly as we can, but we are building uh, quite, a, quite a bit of things. So I guess that gives a, a sense of what, what we are and what we've been doing. Super interesting background. Before we even talk about hi, I'm curious, three years at crypto.com and really the... Uh, Seemingly like, I don't know if you call it the, the ramp up phase, mm. but 2017 to 2020 feels like when crypto went from uh, maybe niche, there was kind of a boom in 2017 and then 2018, it, it dropped back <laughs> and there was a winter there. Yes. But you were in the midst of it with crypto.com at the time, were they a large player in the space? Now, now I think of them as a really big crypto company. I'm curious what your experience was there day-to-day. Uh, -to -day. Like, what, what, how did uh, the organization function and how did you sort of see your objective at that time? Oh, uh, I, I think this is uh, 
uh, an amazing experience for me. Uh, I, I, th- I think I was employee number 11 or 12 or something like that. I literally was arriving from my interview. We were putting the door on the office, uh, the first office. So uh, very, very early days. Uh, and I think the, the management team of founders really, um, really had an idea of what they wanted to do and um, then set, a, set about a strategy and then, hey, it's crypto, uh, things change and had to adapt to a whole bunch of different things that came along the way. Um, but, you know, built it from, you know, having an app that allowed for sign up. And that was about it um, all the way through to having three million uh, customers and a, a functioning platform all the way to an exchange. Uh, a, a wonderful run, uh, an amazing experience, and, uh, you know, continue to wish them the very best of success. But I, I guess for me, maybe um, an insight for, uh, for some of your audience is that I had been on the corporate side, uh, you know, working in the, you know, the regular office and stuff. So first of all, uh, got rid of the formal attire and uh, got, got used to slack. And, uh, you know, business decisions being made at such a fast pace. And I think that's the part that uh, really uh, addicted me to to not only startups, but crypto in particular. And then I think, think the second thing and probably even bigger than that was the community. Uh, and I think the power of the community, um, now we call it Web3. Um, uh, we, we've been kind of chuckling that. We built a business that's a Web3 business without knowing it was called Web3. Um, the idea that the community should be a not only a participant, a stakeholder, a beneficiary, all of the above. And I think that ethos within blockchain companies is extremely powerful. Uh, and that's what we've seen. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that we had built to uh, 3.2 million members now, and we don't call our customers customers, we call them members because they're a member of our community. Um, We've done that without advertising. It's only been word of mouth. Uh, And so from that perspective, the idea of building the community outwards, someone believes in it, tells their friends, hey, you should get in on this and then build it from there has been very, very powerful. So I guess I wait. Let me rewind you a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so crypto.com. Uh, w- you joined. There's 12 people. Yeah. D- did they make a major pivot at that time? You, you said that they went through some challenges. It seemed a little vague. I couldn't quite understand. Did they, did they like pivot their business? Well, you, you, you had mentioned the crypto winter is all, all I was really talking about. So oh oh oh, gotcha. it was principally focused on a card product uh, initially. You know, mm. have a metal card. It's all these things, and then it basically, well, hey, we can do this, we can do this, we can offer a range of different services. And so it built... Is that what, is that what attracted you to the business and, and them to you? Is that you were working in traditional payment world? And so they said, hey, we have to integrate to the banks. And you're like, hey, I've, I've done that before. Was that the conversation? Somewhat. I, I think you could you could ask Chris that question, the, the CEO. Um, but I think my, my background being a digital marketer, uh, first and foremost, and then the, the the financial services background, both on the card side, working with American Express, um, more financial uh, products with with Prudential. Um, actually, the risk management from Prudential has been very helpful for uh, being in the, in this uh, this category. So I think from that perspective, it was a fit, and for me, um, it was it was scratching the itch that I'd had for many years. And you know, several of my friends said, "When are you going to finally do something on the entrepreneurship side instead of?" 
complaining all the time <laughs> about policies. Uh. <laughs> What do you think you learned from that experience the, the, prior to crypto, working in the uh, banking industry and, and seeing things behind the scenes? Like, do you feel like there's takeaways that you carry with you today? Most definitely. Maybe very specific uh, understandings about how things work, or is it more people? You got to know people, and that was kind of your biggest uh, value coming out of those jobs. The people, of course, you know, by, by all means, but I think it's much more knowing the inside uh, of things. Um, I'll, I'll put it uh, straight and relatively bluntly. Um, the profit motive. Um, I don't know if you paid attention. I pay attention. Um, but the, the banks just recorded record profits. Now, I'm going to ch- ask you, did you check your balance in your, your bank statement? And did they send you a note and said, oh, by the way, that deposit rate that you get, that's 0.001% and it's a few pennies or a dollar for your balances. We were just kidding. Since we've made billions of dollars off of you, we're going to update that and give you, you know, a hundred bucks. D- did you get that mes- message? Because I didn't get that message. Did you? Yeah. So you're saying right now the banks are recording record profits oh, massive. at the same time that they're giving... Nothing. How are they? Uh, is there is that just the trajectory they've been on, and so nothing changed, or is there something where the government printed out so much money, and so they profited from the distribution of uh, federal stimulus dollars, or is there other something changed? This so, so, so maybe I'll go back to your question, make sure I answer it because I was trying to be a little bit humorous, but maybe I missed. <laughs> The, the, the idea is that what I saw was the profit motive that drives the decisions inside corporations um, is not necessarily aligned with that of their other stakeholders, not their share, their shareholders for sure. They're, they're, they're managing their shareholders, but their other stakeholders, meaning their customers, their communities, those type of things. Um, and so for me, given the opportunity to co-found a company, um, that, 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 that play, played a big part of it. Um, one of the things that, um, I don't have the number to hand, but just overdraft fees in the United States. One market, just overdrafts is something like $30 billion a year. And so you kind of wonder, are the people actually driving financial innovation? Are they trying to figure out financial fee innovation? Um, And I guess that's where there should be a better way to do it. Um, And so from that, you see, hey, I need to make a bank transfer from one place to another, and it takes three to five business days. You do recognize that that's all done on a digital ledger internally, and what they do is they just hold on to your money and make interest off of it for three to five days. Um, Why are they charging you a low interest rate? Because the the cost of capital for them is negligible. I mean, we're at a zero interest rate margin market. So, but what they charge you on a credit card, even the best credit card is somewhere between 8, 10, 12, and and sometimes it's up to 30%. So they've got the spread that they need to make a lot of money. Um, However, they are focused on serving their shareholders. Um, And this is a capitalism discussion, but I think there's something more to it. When you and you and I were kids, maybe when I was a kid, I can remember my first uh, bank account. I actually put money into it and I actually earned interest. And it was kind of cool as a little kid to get a bank statement and look at it and go, hey, I made $25 this month. You know, today you can't get that. 
And I, and I think, well, sorry, you can get that. You can get it through alternatives, which is what, what we offer through cryptocurrency. Um, but, you know, the, the, the financial service network has all been set up um, to build skyscrapers and give bonuses. Uh, you know, you heard about Wall Street bonuses. It's like, oh, my gosh, we haven't had bonuses like this since way before the financial crisis. Have we have we missed the lesson? I think we've missed the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Is there currently today, do you know, a credit card that you can pay in crypto? Like one that has been uh, completely integrated into the crypto landscape? Or is that not even feasible or possible? Where you can swipe a card, it, it, gets, pay, it gets taken out of your USDC or some crypto balance, you pay it in crypto, like it never goes into US dollars. Is that, do you, do you know of any? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's actually something we haven't uh, fully announced yet for ourselves, um, but the partner that we have offers that. And so there are a number. Of- You're building that? Yeah. I did not know that when I asked you that question. It's, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, a, it's what, what has happened in the, let's say the three years, four years um, from the initial uh, cards uh, for cryptos. And you would understand this. It, it was principally built on a prepaid card chassis. Okay. So a prepaid card chassis then had a, uh, a crypto wallet kind of put next to it. So there were two separate things and you needed to convert on this side and put it over into this and then you could spend it. Um, there are some regulations in that and it depends on markets. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure exactly how it works for the U.S. But um, there are products whereby the instead of having them kind of side by side, they're one underneath each other. And so the idea is that when the, you go to point of sale and say, okay, I want to pay, it then pulls from the, the crypto wallet, does an immediate exchange, and serves up the fiat. Obviously, the, the likes of uh, Visa and um, MasterCard are primarily in fiat. Uh, just recently, I, I think you probably saw um, Visa started to do the first settlements with USDC. Um, so I think we will see that, but that's what we believe people want, and that is the product that we will be offering. But our platform is not card-centric. We're trying to offer a range of different um, products, but we ultimately will have a debit card that is tied to a fiat bank account to allow people to do that. Oh, debit, but not credit. Uh, so credit, so, so yeah, so let, think about that. What is, what is a credit card? Uh, a credit card means I need to do a credit score on you. I need to then extend credit to you. Um, we have a, an approach that we believe that if people have a crypto wallet with us, um, that can be used as collateral and thus we can extend a credit line to you. Um, but again, that starts to get into jargon. I'm not trying to make it complicated for us. The idea is, let's say you would have, um, you put in two ETH. So then maybe I give you the equivalent of one ETH in credit you spend. Um, and then at some point you want to pay us back. Um, but it, again, it changes the game in terms of when do I have to do it? I don't have to send you a bill every 30 days. That's an accounting thing because banks need to have their accounts receivable. Um, it's a different opportunity. And I think that's the fun part about being in crypto is you can relook at things and say, well, if I'm not having to settle my books because my books are literally settled instantaneously on a digital ledger, it, it offers a lot more flexibility to our, our members. Yeah. 
They make this good point. Uh, there really is no point to a 30 day. No, it's, payout only, it's only made up because of the accountants. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So hi.com. Tell me about this domain. This is a pretty kick-ass domain. Yeah. Thank where did you get, where did you get this? Did you have this? Did you buy this when you were 17 and just held on to it or did you pay? No, um, <laughs> actually one, 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 mortgage your house. one, one of our, our partners and founders, uh, ha- had it, uh, he had been using it for some other, um, activities and we had talked about a number of different names and then ultimately he kind of pulled the rabbit out of the hat and it was just like, that doesn't get any better. Um, I think, what does it mean? Not just because it's high and my daughter actually uses high when she types into Google to check if the Wi-Fi is on. So that was a quite of an interesting insight. I was like, wow. Uh, and so we've worked very hard on the search engine optimization. And what do you get? What do you get? Like people smoking weed? <laughs> no, hi, H-I. So you, you get, oh, you get the dictionary. We're up against the dictionary. Uh, we're up against some Korean song. Uh, and then there's us. So we've uh, been able to move up, up the charts there. But the idea is actually um, somewhat the antithesis of the, 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 the crypto exchange. Typically, what you see on a crypto exchange is black and dark blue, and it's kind of imposing. And, you know, you got candlestick charts and all these things. Uh, and instead, we're trying to be lighter, more friendly, literally hot. It's a universal greeting. Everybody can understand that. And I, I think that that makes it quite uh, quite a bit more accessible um, as we're trying, as many others are. We're trying to drive the mass adoption. And, and it, as I said earlier, you know, leave the jargon to the side if necessary to help people to get on board and to get the benefits that they want. If they want to go deeper, they want to learn more about it by all means. But they don't need to have that as a, you know, entry stakes to 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 join the service and be part of it. Uh on high. So when people do you like, do you prefer to it as high or high.com? Yeah. The name of the company, you know, crypt, crypto.com. Yeah. Yeah. The name of the company is high. Uh, the shirt says high. The shirt says high. Uh, the, the URL yeah. is high.com. Yeah. Yeah. Cause crypto.com very much embraces. There's some companies that do that, right? Like crypto.com, <laughs> care.com, pets.com. <laughs> pets.com. It's kind of like a, you know, it's like, well, if you got a great domain, and I guess it makes sense because you can just sure. include it in the name, and then people will just go to the domain. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, could work for you guys. Yeah. Uh, hi, hi. com. Uh, it's so not too hard to the, It's not too hard to remember. Yeah. No, no. Uh, on the on the on the uh, product functionality. Sure. You uh, you mentioned kind of the the core concept being sending money quickly to people as easy as a text that was pulled from what people said in the Libra project. But as you said, still hasn't been done. Um, is that conceptually literally, is there a, t- I mean, uh, what, what is most unique about that okay. like, when you compare it to other crypto projects out there? Sure. Um, I, I guess this is from experience uh, uh, of driving app downloads. Uh, what if you didn't have to have an app? You just go to hi.com slash Sean, my name, choose WhatsApp or Telegram. You press the button and it will take you to that, that app, okay, whichever one you have. And let's say you're in WhatsApp. You basically confirm your phone number and pick a nickname and now you're a member. Literally, it's a two-second onboarding. Two seconds. Ah, oh, that's awesome. So part of your 
distribution is building on top of Telegram and WhatsApp? That's correct. That's super smart. Yeah. So the idea is, by all means, we do have an app. We have about a million and a half downloads of our apps already. Um, But the idea is to get somebody on board and to give them their first crypto. I can do that just over Telegram and I can do it over WhatsApp. And that's that's the power. So what you just said is it hadn't been done. It has been done. We, we did it. OK, so if you have that and you set up an account, um, you can um, basically uh, give you your first crypto every day that you say hi to us. And we ask you a little question to, you know, kind of build the community a little bit. Um, you answer the question and you get more high every day. Um, and so that is the kind of the idea that, okay, now we're starting to drive it. And if I've now given you crypto, now I can incentivize you, incentivize you to do the next step, which is, Hey, can we do the KYC real quick? Can you grab your driver's license? We'll do a quick selfie. We'll get this done. And we went through all the partners to check, found one that is the best, Literally, it takes two minutes, max two minutes, um, unless your name is like John Smith, and then you probably have many other issues because there's a lot of John Smiths out there. But KYC. Can- Are there any? Um, I, I'm curious on KYC. Is there any products that I'm sure you've looked into this? Mm. I, I would kind of imagine that the convergence on KYC is that you do it once with some company who just specializes in KYC, and then you as the creators of the high protocol, you uh, get permission from the user to like hit this KYC uh, blockchain. And they say like, Mike, here's the information from Mike. Maybe you don't get all of it, but you get the thumbs up from the API that Mike has given it already. And so you can get, you know, just like a Facebook connect where you're saying, okay, I get the email, the first name, friends, location, that kind of thing. Is that out there or are, are like, why go to the extent of requiring everyone to give the driver's license? Yeah. Um, and, and driver's licenses for the U.S., for other markets, whatever their national identity is. Um, <clears throat> great question. Uh, a, a great space of innovation as well. Um, so the private companies, you know, the companies that provide the services, um, you know, the, the, they basically uh, have an API that you take in the information and they hit the sanctions list, all the different things that they need to do. Your question is, can that be transportable at this point? Not that I'm aware of. However, I would say uh, it would make you aware, uh, a place that you know well, Singapore offers that. So Singapore actually did that where they took the national identity card and they put that data and they made it available. Um, obviously, as a company, you have to register and go through some some vetting beforehand, but then you're able to hit that. So when a person provides some credential, then that um, they they can verify their identity right away. So hats off to Singapore. Uh, there are probably other markets, but I have not heard of it. But this is the one that I've heard of is uh, Singapore has that. Um, and so, you know, this gets into that privacy debate, uh, the data debate, um, you know, everything from GDPR and all of the regulations. Um, you are right to say, and I, I wouldn't, couldn't agree with you more, that that is a great customer experience. The question is, do we trust the people to deal with that properly? And I guess that's been probably the biggest barrier. When a national government makes a um, API available um, for vetted, in, uh, vetted, vetted parties to use, I think that moves it forward significantly. Um, but I guess you could akin think it somewhat like a credit score kind of thing in, in the U.S. 
you know, your FICA score, you know, you, you to, to be able to get access to that database, you need to be a financial institution and then you, you know, get these, you know, things. Maybe that, that, that's a way, but, um, that, that would be great, uh, to make, to make it even easier, but we've tried to remove as much pain as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It is a pretty annoying debate. <laughs> annoying in the sense that it, it, it doesn't, I say annoying because it doesn't feel like there's an easy answer. I really try to visualize, okay, what would it look like if the crypto companies didn't have to require any information about people? Everyone could be completely anonymous. Great. Everyone wins, but they really don't because everyone, because so many people are now, uh, disincentivized from paying taxes. And that, that causes kind of a social deterioration point. over enough time. And so individually, great. You don't like, you're not tracked by anyone. You're not tracked by the government. There's no accountability, total freedom. And then on the other side, you know, if there's complete oversight, you know, every, the, the government or companies know everything I do and all my information that comes at a big risk. Yeah. So Anywho, I was curious yeah. about that because yeah. it feels like, uh, yeah, redundant problem that's happening all the time. Um, so you ask people questions. Why, why do you ask them questions? Is this a method for keeping people engaged in, uh, in high.com or keep keeping them coming yeah. back to the site or the app? We, 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 you don't, we don't have to make it with uh, any kind of uh, false pretense or anything. That, the idea is uh, may, maybe the first part is exactly as you said. It's a conversation, just, just a little bit of fun. Um, mm. Now, to, in the world that we've all gotten used to, unfortunately, thanks to uh, Facebook, you know, are, are we using it for, for some cosmic plan to target you? No, not really. Um, we, we ask you everything from, I don't know, some one of some of the crazy ones that we've had. We've had some really wacky ones. You know, like you know, uh, what's the first thing that you do when you wake up? And you know, there are some standard answers, and then there's something screwbally there. But then at the same point, it is helpful if we're looking at um, like a member benefit. What's your favorite streaming service? And then we get some data directly from our our membership base, so we can kind of say, okay, let's go have some discussions with these kind of folks. Um, so it's 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 a mix of those things, but we are not in the business of trying to target or anything. the The idea is really bought bent from, and I guess uh, somebody with a marketing background is, they typically talk about monthly active users. We talk about daily active users, and of the three point two billion, uh, three point billion, yes, uh, three point two million uh, members that we have, uh, more than half are saying hi every day and earning uh, some high dollars. Um, so I think that is the proof of the pudding. Is the idea that we're incentivizing you um, again? You share a little bit of data, and it's a multiple choice question. So you can, yeah, you can lie, you can put whatever you want to put in there. Um, but it does help us if we can learn a little bit more about preferences. And it's not necessarily going to say, oh, you know, Mike likes, you know, this kind of coffee. So no, it's not. It's not that. Uh, it's not meant to be that way. We're we're simply looking at that engagement and having something a little bit fun. It's interesting. Uh, you have my my mind thinking about the idea of a company mm. that creates these polls. Imagine a company creates these polls, mm. and they want they want act, they want data from uh, people. They want to know insights about people, and so they get they provide these questions to companies like Hi. So you, I'm sure you sit sit around and come up with questions and then release them one every you know a day. 
But if there was where you could say, okay, you were going to hit this API, they provide us questions, the results uh, go back to the, the company. And so we benefit as high because you get this steady stream of questions and this kind of engagement from people. And then Pete, and then the company can compensate <laughs> for getting the results. I don't know. It seemed like one, um, it seemed like a, a potentially a way to do some kind of more efficient, like survey collection. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you, but to me, uh, I, I've been very leery of the Robin Hood kind of business models of, you know, telling people that they're getting something for one thing. And then, yeah. and by the way, I just sold all that behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, if yeah. we were to do that, I think we would be upfront to our community about that and say, hey, uh, what, what you said is, is a, obviously we thought about it and said, hey, you know, you could at some point say, hey, Mr. Advertiser, do you want to get feedback from, you know, hopefully we'll be, you know, far beyond 3.2 million. And, you know, if we're at a pace where it's 100 million people that you could ask a question to, what would you what would you pay for that? That's not our business model, yeah. but it could be. Um, and if we, it's if, probably a bad idea, well, but, it's but, probably a bad idea for it, it, it's not a bad idea if you think about it this way, which is the part that people have missed out on. What if I'm going to compensate every one of those people who answer the question? Then it's fair and you're upfront about it. I think the biggest issue that we have in Web 2 with with um, the likes of Facebook, Instagram and all those folks is that we've had, you know, you you put up your picture of you at the barbecue or your birthday party or whatever, and they sell advertising around it. And so all your friends come to see that picture and they get advertising, get advertised to around it. And, and what did you get? You got nothing. Uh, you, you post this video on YouTube, you get a very small sliver of uh, love for the ads if you've enabled ads, um, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, Spotify is the same same, same situation. Um, but if you instead said, hey, are you willing to do this? And in our case, you know, it, kind of jumping ahead, one of the, the, the intentions and the forethought that we had was to allow our business to progressively decentralize. I think this could be something that could be put forth um, as we move forward from a vote for the community to decide, would we offer this kind of solution? Um, it, it could be. Yeah. But some people might be creeped out by it and say, no, and then we don't do it. It's fine. Right, right. Uh, on tokenomics, sure. the fun topic, uh, I, I saw a interview that you did uh, previously where you're describing the tokenomics being unique in the sense that you're minting and tell me if this is wrong, but you're minting high tokens based on the number of people that are signing up, yeah. the number of members you have. Mm. That makes sense to me. Uh, what were, when you thought about the, the decisions on tokenomics on minting and how, and when to mint and how much, how much to keep for, founders and the, yep. and the pool, all, all these questions. What was your methodology? Like, how did you actually go about learning enough about <laughs> options to decide which was right for you guys? Was it a sophisticated approach of like, let's get the 20 most common successful projects. Let's look how they do it. Let's collect feedback from people. Let's sort of like quantitatively figure out where we are. Or is it more cowboy style where you just say, Hey, what do you think would be a good idea? And you, you throw out some ideas on a wall and run with it. There's no, how, how did you guys go about it? No, uh, I'm from yeah. Texas originally. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it was, it was, it was the first primarily, um, 
And, uh, and I'll, I need to kind of give you a little bit of a long-winded response on this one. Please. Um, by all means, looking at um, what, what was the purpose. So, so in our case, it's a utility token. So utility tokens are um, allow you to look at a certain subset of all the tokens that are out there and then start to say, okay, what, what do we need them for? It's a utility token to allow people to acqu- uh, uh, that, that accumulate the number of tokens to move up in membership tier. So then they turn on different benefits and those type of things. Uh, may sound sim- similar to a, a company that I worked with. Um, but the, the other part is that ultimately we want to build our own blockchain. And so it's going to um, have a, a, a decent number of tokens to allow for settlement and those type of things. Obviously, they can be um, divided and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> I think the, the most thing that we, that we were doing that was relatively unique was the idea that we wanted to mint them based on our membership base, um, not just arbitrarily do that. <clears throat> so um, that, that's how we started. So um, the, the, the token was initiated and, and created on August 1st. And the, the, the idea was that we would mint um, every week. Uh, Wait, sorry, to, sorry, August 1st, 2020. 2021, 2021. Yeah. So, um, and so from that, um, we were looking at our membership growth and then we would mint to, to go to those and then, uh, mint to that, um, number because we were providing rewards to people. And then we funded the other wallets, um, for, uh, the foundation, the long-term incentives, the, as you mentioned, you know, founders and staff, you know, there's different buckets, different wallets. Those were all funded from that. So as I think the number was 2.67, uh, tokens were be minted in addition to the, the tokens that were minted to match the, the base. Now, the reason it's a little bit long-winded is, uh, fresh off the press, the, uh, at the end of last year, we did a strategic review of the business to see, you know, where we've gotten, we had gotten a lot further along than we had initially planned in our roadmap. We were already into, you know, several of the kind of uh, more than one year uh, activities. And so we kind of stepped back and looked at things. And so we um, went ahead and decided that we would fix the, the total supply. Uh, the fixed supply is now at uh, 13 billion uh, tokens is going to be the total amount. Um, and the way that we're w- working it is that has been created. And actually, uh, innovation that didn't exist previously is that part is ERC-20 and part is on the Binance Smart Chain. So the, the token is evenly distributed to those two chains currently. And so we're able to u- use those two uh, chains Depending on you know the the the, the members' preference uh, for purchasing the tokens, so we're we're not 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 going through the uh, the like the 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 weekly minting per se. What we're doing is basically it's being released as the uh, as the uh, the membership base grows. Can I repeat back what I yep. think you said just to make yep. sure I understand it? Yep. So you started off minting on Ethereum. And you would do that up to a capped amount. Uh, then you realized there, there, there was no cap. That was the, the thing. There was no cap. Yeah. So it's initially, well, I'll give you the three steps. Okay. Initially, we thought there would be like 1.1 trillion. That was our ballpark. So like kind of an XRP size. Then we got going and realized, okay, that sounds a little bit crazy. And so we 
said, okay, let's not have a cap. We're not sure. Let's see how it grows. And then as we started to grow, it grew to uh, the membership base was growing. And we're like, okay, we do need to have a cap. Otherwise, people are like, well, is this going to be like some SHIB thing where it has, you know, in, or Doge, it has endless supply. Um <clears throat> And so the, the, that's where the decision was made. And we announced it to the community early this year that the max supply would be 13 billion, 192 million, et cetera, et cetera. And that we would split it across the two addresses. Okay. Got it. So, uh, so there is a cap. You announced it a li- little bit later than when you started. But for all intents and purposes, the cap is irrelevant for a long time. I mean, you're not going to get to that cap. No. You know, it could be a, who knows, yeah. <laughs> it could be a long time. Yes. So, and then you split it across two, I, I haven't heard that before. And it's a little confusing. Yeah. So you have it uh, split across Ethereum and Binance. Was that because of something that Binance offered later that you're like, hey, this is better? Or what's the... Uh, it is it, the second part of what you just said. Unfortunately, it is better. Um, though we are very excited to see what's happening with ETH 2.0, the fees on ETH are just too crazy, too high. Crazy, uh, right? Yeah. So it's just really a buzzkill. Uh, and so for us, uh, in the community was very, you know, very supportive of, can you, can you do something where it's on, uh, on that uh, protocol? And we looked at it, a uh, little bit of engineering, but then it was like, okay, let's, let's create the beep 20 token and make it, make it possible. And so that's exactly what we've done. So y- you, you can, um, buy it on either side. Uh, we offer, we offer either one. Um, but as you can imagine, when you go to transfer it and you want to send it to your friend, if you're doing it on chain, let's say you take it out of high, if you send it between two high members, obviously there's no fees. Um, but when you send it on chain, you're, you, you're not going to pay, pay the, the, the crazy fees that, uh, ETH is charging right now. When you send it on chain, meaning when you send it on the BEP yeah, if you were to withdraw it and put it onto, uh-huh. let's say, Uniswap versus put it on PancakeSwap and you want to sell it or you want to send it from one wallet to somebody's MetaMask or something like that, the fees, the network fees for ETH are just too high um, unless you're sending a really large amount. And, you know, most people are it's not, it's not yeah. like we're going crazy here. You're trying to send a hundred dollars worth and it, the fees right. are $20. You're like, mm, that doesn't make sense. You know? So if you, you send it on, you know, um, the Binance smart chain, the fees are like, you know, less than a dollar. Then you're like, okay. Yeah. that works. Uh, Okay. Okay. So it's not as if there's two pools of high tokens. There's not, not as if there's the ETH or is there, there there's the yeah. ETH high and then there's yeah. and are those equal in size or are they different yep. in size yep yep yeah so literally in the white paper we break it down there's two addresses um and then you can go on the various block experts and you can see yeah here here's the here's the here's the supply that we have out there <clears throat> wow that's amazing so that was an innovation that learning we didn't expect at all yeah and that's the cool yeah. part about this whole industry is that there's something new and you're like Wow. Okay. So how will we do this? Oh, okay. What can we do? Do me a quick favor. Uh, when, when you pick up that paper, it hits the mic and it, it, it uh, kind of goes a little static. So just keep that in mind. Okay. Um, all good. All good. Uh, so do you view that as a, honestly, an upside thing? Because there is a enormous cost on Ethereum. You, you start off on Ethereum, kind of a bummer that they weren't able to bring it down. Yeah. Now you're it. saying, oh man, 
you know, if you think of yourself as kind of like the Venmo for crypto to some degree, mm. people are sending small amounts of money. It's like you can't, it's just, it's just untenable. Um, Binance offers an alternative, but it's still kind of, do you view it as a little messy in that sense? Like it's still in a transition period being on two. Well, I, again, I, I think the, the ultimate thing, and not to sound too selfish, but a little bit selfish, is that if I send it to you and you're a, a, a high member, there's no fees. Okay. And it's, it's oh, you don't even, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. straightforward. So obviously, the, the more that we can do to get more people on board, yeah, that solves that problem. But the, the second problem is then if somebody isn't um, and we're wanting to make those transfers, it works. Um, is it perfect? Nah, nah, hey, that, that's part of the part where, you know, I hope not. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, there's nothing to improve. Um, so <laughs> when did you start this? Pro- you started this project not even two years ago, not even right? 2020. No, we started. Yeah. The day was January 1st of 2021. We finally said, OK, let's do it. That's when we 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 moved into our service office. We're now in a proper office. But yeah, I, in, in May, May of uh, 2021 is when we went to the public with our private beta. Yeah. I'm kind of blown away. I mean, it's probably yeah. worth talking about. How did you grow so fast? We're now sitting in February. You're saying you have millions of people using it and you have the white paper you built out. You have apps with millions of people downloading it. Uh, is the, do you view it as the, the, I heard that as a quick aside, I heard a really good description for, uh, or way to think about fast growing social companies and maybe not even social, but you have to ride your acquisition funnel is your distribution channel. So if a company can scale quickly on an acquisition channel, that is also their distribution channel, they'll win. So this would be like, um, Airbnb on Craigslist, like they're acquiring users through Craigslist because they're posting on there. And then they're also distributing because they're, they're posting their listings themselves to acquire new users. So telegram is a very open. I love telegram, uh, less so WhatsApp, but both are highly used and you're distributing through those new social media channels effectively. Is that what you view as like I don't want to call it the hack, but like the the way that you've been able to distribute and grow so quickly. So I'm I'm not sure. Have you uh, listened to uh, Chris Dixon at all from uh, Andreessen Horowitz? You, Here and there, yeah. So he had a great one with Tim Ferriss that uh, I literally was in a, on a run listening to it, and I, I I I had to stop because he was talking about high. He was talking about exactly what we were trying to do. And this was the thought that we had, which was, and it's built from the painful experience, uh, the painful experience of advertising on Twitter and Facebook and other places. Uh, we, we should also remember that there was a ban on that advertising uh, starting in June of 2018. Uh, and so trying to find ways to get through that. But app downloads are very, very, very expensive. Um, so... When he describes Chris Dixon, I thought did a very good job in explaining Web3, the idea that if someone owns your token, they have an inbuilt uh, kind of advocacy component. So it's a little bit more than what just you had said about Telegram. But let's talk about Telegram. In the case of Telegram, you can you can uh, it, it, for the uninitiated, if they haven't done this, because you know large corporates don't have Telegram groups. But once you realize that, wow, in Telegram, there's a community that's interested in your your uh, company, 
They're the naysayers. They're the positive folks. They're doing competitive intelligence. They're doing social media monitoring. They're giving you all of this information because they're passionate about what you're doing. That is a huge resource and something that you have to take very seriously. Okay. Now, what happens, you, you ask, what's the hack to grow the way we've grown? What if you do it in hmm, 15 languages? You didn't just do it in English. You do it in everybody's native language. Our website, click on the side there. Not, not very many startups, you know, you click on it. The, the language selector is 14 languages. Um, that is what we're trying to do, is if you're going to be inclusive and say, hey, we really want to offer services to people everywhere around the world, they need to have access to the ability to earn um, a, a return, some kind of yield, you got to make it available in their local language. And so for us, once we did that, that makes a difference. You know, uh, we, can, we can put things together in English and make sense, make sense of it. But that, that's where then getting, you know, our advocates around the world, both on the, the social media, really, it's the Telegram side. We do have a Discord channel, but it's Telegram that has the local language uh, components, have a website that's in local language, and then our app and our uh, web app also support local languages. That then allows people who haven't been part of this to participate immediately. Oh, that's super interesting. I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Uh, the languages in particular seem like something that people would overlook because the internet itself is largely built in English and everyone, you know, in, in the US and surrounding Western countries speak in English. And so you don't, you know, your mind doesn't quite wrap around the idea that, no, no, this is accessible to everybody on the whole planet that has internet. And why wouldn't we cater to every language or at least 15 that you do? Yeah. You have 75,000 people in the Telegram group, yeah. um, which is a lot of people. And that's just English language one. If you have to go through all the... Oh, oh really? You, you have to add them all up. It's it's significant number. Oh, there's different groups for different languages? Yes. Interesting. Uh what, what do you think of the difference, say, if you're speaking to another uh, crypto protocol, you know, funded project, how do you think of the difference between Discord and Telegram? They're both highly trafficked, kind of crypto catering, uh, certainly competing on some level. But I think of Discord typically more competing with Slack. But 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 in a way, Slack is not in this game. Like Slack is really business use case. Um, whereas Telegram Discord seem more head to head. Wow, that is, uh, uh, I d- don't want to offend anybody for either camp. That that that's almost like you can offend that. Wait, Telegram. You got, we're worried about offending Telegram. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'll get beat up one way or the other. That's for sure. That, that's one thing you have to learn about being an entrepreneur and is definitely being in in the crypto land. Uh, you're going to be a scam even when you make it. So. Uh, Got to have thick skin. Yeah, you might as well um, just say the truth. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think the situation um, with Discord, I think from a usability standpoint, it's kind of cool that you can have multiple channels inside that. And so, you know, you go into one and then you break it down. Um, for us, what we've seen is that t- Telegram has been helpful because kind of the first entry point is people want something in their own language. Uh, and then what we've done is looked at 
you've got kind of the general channels uh, in Telegram, but then we've also um, moved things for those that actually purchase uh, our high dollars. Um, they they are then invited into a private chat, which is um, for for the holders of the cryptocurrency, because you you do have a kind of a different range of questions. Uh, one question, one group of people are literally trying to you know how do I make this thing work. Um, so then, you know, they need to get standard responses. And then there's another side, which is much more into, you know, the development of the business and, you know, what's next. I think you should do this. What could we do with that? That, that kind of dialogue. Um, but between Discord and Telegram, I think for high so far, we, we, we did kind of push a little bit more towards Telegram. We then offered a, uh, we have offered a Discord group uh, a bit later, but it, it kind of was related to what you said on the Airbnb idea is that because Telegram is a distribution channel, someone can be in our, uh, let's say, our main chat, and then they can also be checking their balance uh, and, and those type of things. You know, they just switch channels. So it's kind of a symbiotic from that perspective. But I don't think we're, we're, we're preferencing one or the other. Yeah, Telegram to me feels more lightweight. It's coming from the background of competing on, uh, you know, competing against SMS effectively, and then WhatsApp. Um, who else do I compete with? Uh, like Signal, but really, it's like peer to peer messaging. Yeah, Line, some of the other ones out of Asia. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Like if you think about if you think about these categories of like Twitter, you know, picture like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook is a as a cohort of companies that are are making inline social media feeds that are public like a publicly accessible information that you're primarily posting mm-hmm. when i'm posting on twitter it's available to everyone yeah. when i'm posting on telegram it's primarily available to one person and then <laughs> chat rooms are built on top of that and then you're using you're utilizing chat rooms with 80,000 people in them but that's still they're branching off of the one to one Twitter is branching off of the many, and then Discord is branching off of the one to a small group in the business case. Because I, I think they originally competed head to head with Slack and then realized, hey, there's a another opportunity here. Well, they built on the same software. Uh, they they were actually it's it's a I, I actually don't know the the background of how they they work, but it was a similar software originally. Yeah. And I think of Telegram almost as a competition to alternative for me personally to Twitter. When I scroll through some of the uh, chats, it's like when you, when you pull down on Telegram, it just refreshes almost like you're looking at a new tweet. And yeah. I'm sure there's no coincidence there on the UI. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to watch these companies duke it out. And from your perspective, when you run a company and you decide, okay, we're going to invest in one product or the other, it's like, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. Security, API access, how many people are actually on there? Yes. How fast is it? Yeah. So, well, and, and that was a yeah. good one. Uh, we, we, we ran into some issues along those lines that you, you had to kind of, oh, hey, we're, we're getting too many simultaneous sessions. So what do we need to do? Maybe, maybe I'll bridge uh, for you and, and just kind of raise this because, you know, some folks that may not be in the fintech or the crypto space, um, one of the things that was just really amazing to me about this, uh, the idea of the community in particular on, on Telegram as well as Discord, is that, you know, coming from a, uh, a corporate, uh, you know, background, you know, when, when, a, when a, a listed company 
goes to meet its shareholders. That's typically the only time that it happens face-to-face is at an annual general meeting. And yeah, uh, Berkshire Hathaway can have the thing in Omaha and all that stuff. But for the most part, it's in some, you know, hotel room and, you know, the the people are kept as – the unclean are kept as far away from the object, object, uh, executives as possible. And that is just not how it works. Uh, for us and for crypto companies. Um, going into the channels, I go pretty darn regularly. It should be part of my job description that I'm there every day. Um, checking on people, uh, deleting some things that need to be deleted, but also just checking in on, on the health of things. So think about this. You get an annual general meeting or even an analyst, you know, a quarterly update. What if you had a AMA, you know, for all of these executives and they had to do it every week or every month at least? Okay, and that that's our approach is that uh, I think crypto firms really have. um, I don't think it was stumbled upon. I think it's part of the DNA that this idea of the uh, stakeholders and the stakeholder voice is something that needs to be listened to and um, is a massive advantage. And so I, when, when people have asked me about the difference between you know, the corporate and the startup world, I think this is something that is extremely powerful, that preparing to answer questions on you know, the minutia, why is this button this way versus another? No executive would deal with that, uh, you know, or, or wouldn't be to that level. They'd be like, well, our bottom line increased by X, Y, Z percent. They need to not only know the product, they need to know the marketing, they need to know the numbers, they need to know, you know, what, what, when are you coming to my market? Um, because you can't be in every market immediately. Um, it's all of those questions that come out that I think make you a much better business person and a lot more, use the word agile, but you do. You have to, you have to be aware of the various um, issues that stakeholders have and having that voice coming at you every day only makes you better, even when it's stuff. And, and believe me, people, people let you know when you messed up. Um, yeah. People, we, we put this new white paper out. We, we have put some incentives in place to drive people towards activity that will ultimately build the, the high ecosystem and make it sustainable. But some people are not on board with it. And it's a shame. We, we'd like to have everybody happy, but you recognize you can't do that. Uh, it's not really possible, but yeah, you you go and you you have to make those hard calls and say, okay, for the, for the best of the business, the best of, you know, the majority of my stakeholders, we're going to make certain decisions. And in our case, we're able to share that very freely with the the community so that they're at least aware. I think when you look at, uh, some of the things that have happened in some of the crypto, uh, world, where changes have been made and people have said, oh, it's a rug pull or it's whatever, you know, the, the terminology for, you know, something has happened and there's been a change. In our case, we've given people more than a, a, a month's notice that we, we're, basically it's a, a terms and conditions adjustment that we've needed to do so that we can encourage people to grow the community. If we're in a situation um, where we're incentivizing people to refer their friends and when they invite their friends to it, if you think about it, if we're, if we're at 3.2 million now, if everybody just invites one person a week, one person a week, that makes it 6 million. And then the next week, 
that makes it 12. Yeah. We won't go through all the math, but you can see that's how you can drive some pretty amazing growth. Um, and so that, that's really what we looked at. And you're, you're saying you changed a, uh, a policy that you had about referrals and that. Yeah. Whole... Well, yeah. Well, we, what, what, what we had looked at was originally was if you say hi to us and then you refer your friends, you earn rewards and those rewards will accrue to you o- over time. And in our case, we give ourselves a year. Okay. So they were locked up mm-hmm. for a year. But what we're now saying is um, to continue to be eligible to earn those daily rewards, you need to refer one person a, a, a week. Um, and so as soon as, let's say, you didn't refer somebody, uh, maybe COVID caused you not to get out and about. Oh, I see. Okay? I see. But as soon as you refer one more person, you're back on the, the track again. Um, and so that, that way we can just keep people on the game because what you see, data analysis shows that, you know, somebody signs up, there's a spike of activity. They refer, you know, 10 friends and then it's back down to nothing. What, going what percentage of people that have high are have say in the last 30 days or some relatively short time period have sent it to another person because it, it oh yeah s- sending is actually one of our hacks let me let me tell you about this one this is kind of cool so send is pretty straightforward okay we literally have a function send you put the person's name in and you can send them money um i think we're probably maybe a third a third people do it. The reason we do it, uh, what, what happens is we have something called a cash hash, which is a little bit more fun. So a cash hash is uh, a little code uh, that we have, you know, the t- 16 digit code. But I can put, let's say, uh, 10 high in a code and then I can post it. Now I can send the code to you and you can redeem it in your wallet. That's fine. But what do you think I could do if I put that into Telegram? So I can put $10, $10 into Telegram and whoever's the first one to get it can have it, okay? So it allows you to do some very interesting, fun things for the community to make people aware of it. But all you need is that code. So what we do is we make it a little bit harder. We might put a few spaces in there or make it in the picture, but then people have to figure out the code. They put it in and they, they've been sent money. So sending money from someone you know to someone else you, you know is, is, you know, me to you, that's pretty straightforward. But the fun part is on our platform, if you're all on high, I can send, I can basically make a prize uh, that I can send to whoever picks it up. So oh, as an administrator. Uh, you can do it. Or, Mike, oh, you get I your account. Oh, I, oh. I know you'll be hitting high.com slash Sean. You get an account. You get a little bit of high. I, I can help, help get you started. Um, and then you want to send it to a friend. You can either send it to them directly. Hey, here's a high. Or you can send a cash hash. And so what we had oh, done, a little it. bit of fun. Um, I'll just tell you a story. What we did with a little bit of fun, um, there was back to school in the UK. And uh, we actually um, put them put them out, let's get high together type of thing. And here's this code. Didn't explain it. Let people figure it out. They figured it out. You know, so then you, you Mike, when you send this cash hash out, you get a redemption and you see who, who redeemed it. Like, whoa, interesting. Okay. So it's quite a lot of fun in the community to play with that. So interesting. from a technology perspective, it was not rocket science at all. <laughs> <laughs> from from the the from the community's perspective, they love it, and we love it. It's uh, a lot of fun. Yeah, 
how many, if you had to guess, like what percentage of the people that have signed up look at high as an investment? Is like, hey, I'm coming in here to make money versus it seems to me like there might be three primary use cases. Mm. People come in, they they get high, and then they they hope that the valuation goes up. I think it's now about 150 million market cap, somewhere in that range. Uh, second one would be to actually send money to people. And then the third one would be entertainment. Like, you know, it's fun. It's like, what's these guys going to post today? There's a, an entertainment value. Mm. Do you have a gut feeling? Or, so, yeah, maybe I, I break those down real quick and, and maybe give, give some comments because I think the entertainment one is one that we've also uh, tried to tap into. Um, so first and foremost, yeah, there's lots of people who are going to look at crypto from a speculative uh, standpoint. I, I would hope that they look at the utility and actually believe in what we're trying to build um, because what we're trying to build actually can make a massive impact in people's lives globally. And that's what I'm doing this for. I'm not doing it because I need to, you know, buy a, a condo or some crazy building or something like that. Um, but by all means, you know, maybe it's a third. Uh, may, maybe it's more. I don't know. Um, hopefully, e- even those people believe in the utility and believe in what we're doing. And so, as you said, you know, hey, you're not you've not been around very long, and all of a sudden you're saying you could do all this. Well, when we started, we just had that referral capability, uh, first thing, and then next thing, next thing, and then now we've got uh, you know a, a pr- properly full fledged crypto wallet. You've got an ability to earn um, uh, like a kind of a, a an earnings account. Um, and your ability to send and those things. Just a quick disclaimer. Sorry, in the U.S., uh, we are very limited in the U.S. Because as a startup, oh. we, we don't want to do too many things in the U.S. until we have some wherewithal to manage all the legal requirements and stuff like that. So we're going step by step. Um, but you had mentioned the entertainment side. By all means, wait, people- so wait. Yep. Is it not available in the U.S.? Or what's not available it, in the U.S.? It's available. You, you, you can earn rewards. Um, but for us to sell the high dollar is restricted. Uh, and the earnings product, I, I think you've probably seen, uh, you know, people like BlockFi and everyone, you know, certain government regulators are asking. Right. About I think a small company like ours will just stay humble and wait for a little while. Let, let, that, let that settle so that we get some clarity and then we'll be pushing. Um, but the U.S. is a key market, and obviously we want to be able to build off of a humble but smart base and then go to the next step. Um, to tell you about entertainment, uh, not just the fact of you know, answering a, a kind of a fun question with your coffee and hopefully you know, puts a smile on your face. Um, we really – another thing, we, we talked about you know, the ERC-20, Beep-20 thing that we didn't see at all, and hey, we just adapted to it. And another thing that came about was GameFi, um, Play to Earn. And so for us, we had heard about it, and we've got some friends who are in the, uh, the gaming space, and it was a little bit of fun to kind of say, you know, what could we do? Could we put the high dollar into something like that? And again, uh, maybe give you an insight as an entrepreneur how, how it happens. Um, our first thing was, let's try. You know, n- not let, let, let's have a project plan and take six months to think about it. Let's try. So we took a, took a game that was existing um, and reskinned it, branded it. It's called High Flyer. Um, it's a very simple, casual game. You're trying to, I'm terrible at all games, but anyway, you, you, you earn some points and basically uh, a bit of fun. Uh, if, if you said that there was skill involved, uh, I must not have that skill. But anyway, 
you you play, and what you're doing is you're playing with the community. Okay, so you put a, a, a small amount in. Uh, it used to be one high dollar. We we lowered it since then. But you 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 play the game, uh, and you you can win a prize pool. You split part of the prize pool. Um, part of the prize uh, part of the the money that comes in is burnt, um, and then the other half is given as prizes. Um, so we did it. We launched it. We saw it. We got lots of feedback. Good things, bad things. Somebody tried to game it. You know these different things. Of sounds like a casino. <laughs> uh, well, one step, one step away, one step away. Um, In a good way, but but but, but a bit of fun. Yeah, you know, so people mm-hmm. can have a have, have a good laugh with it. And then so then we came back and said, hey, well then let's kick it up a notch. And so now we've launched ten games. So it, they've got different you know periods to play them, different types of activities. We got a skiing game, got a lumberjack game. You know. You built 10 games. You built an app with millions of people and you built 10 games on top of it in the last year. Yes. How many people are on the team? How many people are working on this? Uh, about a hundred. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. How did you get a hundred people? <laughs> How did you hire a hundred people in a year? You walk down the street. Every, <laughs> it's a person. You brought a person on every three days. Pretty much. Um, I think that the, the thing that uh, I, I, is very important, is especially uh, in the environment that we operate in, uh, meaning COVID, um, is to not look at it as a restriction and look at it as an opportunity. Now, that sounds like some mumbo jumbo, but the fact of the matter is we're not restricted as we would have been previously geographically. Oh, I need to get people that I can see together today. Oh, yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> you can just say, hey, we're out here. Um, and that's been pretty interesting the way that people in the community, tell their friends, people in the community themselves want to join, et cetera. Uh, and you end up finding people here, there, and everywhere. Uh, and so, um, you know, our, our core components are both in Asia and in Europe uh, initially, but the idea is to, to build from that and, and grow from there. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it happens pretty regularly. The number of, uh, hey, I'm looking to add this person. Can we go forward? Yeah, it happens, as you said. Like and this is from, this is, is this is this money raised externally from VCs that fund a hundred people, or is it money that comes out of the pool, the market cap? It it, it is the token sale. Uh, so the, yes, there were some yeah. founders funds that put us in that kind of bootstrapped us to get to get us to a working product, and then it was the token sale. Uh, and we 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 have had some institutional uh, folks uh, come in. Uh, to buy the token, it, not not equity. Uh, so that's why you don't hear like the crazy valuation story. Um, but you know they're buying tokens, uh, and that that's given us plenty of runway to to get things done. Hell yeah, man! I can't believe how much you got done. You're, I feel like you're a magician. <laughs> uh, well, but, but but I think this is the thing that that you you asked me. You know, okay, what did I learn from this place and that place? That's the key. When we're the probably, if anybody wants to know what's the key, key interview question, that's the key interview question. What did you learn? Um, because what we have tried to do is accelerate our development by bringing a team of people together who, not necessarily been there, done that, but they have enough understanding of. You know, hey, what's what's the landmine that we're going to avoid? Let's not step on that and set ourselves back. And I think for entrepreneurs, that's probably the best thing that you can go through is um, the failure, 
and then realizing, hey, these are the things to stay clear of. And whether it's a failure or not, uh, in my case, I, 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 with Crypto.com, the team before did have some setbacks, but when they joined Crypto.com, they, they knew how to work together. They knew what they needed to get done and were able to proceed. Um, but each day there's, you know, some development, some business decision that you need to think about and consider, okay, how do I make this decision? Should it be for the short term or should I make it for the long term? And I think that's probably the thing that um, hurts many companies is when they make that short term, hey, I can do this really quick. Oh, I didn't think that it, in the long term it's going to be this bit of a problem. And I'm not saying we're perfect. We've got mm-hmm. our own issues. But, but when you think more of a long-term mindset of, okay, this is, we're going to live with this decision for you know, at least a couple of years, it helps you to kind of focus on what, what, what should you be doing. Yeah, you still got a shitload of stuff done in one year. I can't believe it. Oh, boy, uh, when, we, when we finished the year, I was just like, is that really possible? I mean, yeah. To, yeah. to say that we thought we would have a million people in a year, you know, of course, I, I'm, you know, from a marketing background, we want 10 million, 100 million. Yes, of course, that's what we're shooting for. Um, but to say that we would be already over 3 million uh, and not even a year, uh, a year old to the public is, uh, is you know, really humbling. And, and we take yeah. it quite seriously. And, and that's what makes it so much more fun to kind of say, okay, what else can we do? How do we improve this? We've got a whole bunch of stuff coming down the pike that we, we don't try to do too much pre-announcement, but a little bit just to give people a flavor of what's coming down the line. But, um, you know, the app will get a refresh. The website gets a refresh. You know, continuing to push on making the user experience even better, um, bringing on new products. Yeah. This is all exciting stuff. Totally. Any any specific individuals or books, uh, places that you like to learn from? Well, I'll, I'll give a shout out to Chris from Crypto.com. He, uh, in, in the first Christmas, literally, I was, I think it was a, a month and a half into the gig. Uh, he handed out the book, The Hard Things About Hard Things by uh, uh, the guy from Andreessen Horowitz. Horowitz, Ben Horowitz, yeah. Yeah, Ben Horowitz. And I'll be honest with you, that was, uh, that was as, as close to the entrepreneurial experience that I've experienced so far um, of any book that I've read. Uh, there Chris is some, the founder? Uh, Chris, Chris is the CEO of Crypto.com, yeah. Okay, uh, and so he, he gave that as a gift that, you know, there, I think there were 15 people. But I think that, that book itself really gave you an insight to everything from, well, basically the warts and all. And I think that's what you have to understand. And even talking with the team, have to remind them that a lot of people think it's, you know, one thing straight up like this. Uh, no, it's the roller coaster. And, and in fact, you had talked about, you know, people who invest in crypto. I think we all have to recognize that volatility is uh, inbuilt into this and it goes up, it goes down. We have to keep our mind focused on what we're building. We're building an ecosystem that we want to I- impact a billion people. Uh, you know, I used other numbers. That's the real goal. Oh. Is how do we reach a billion people? Watch your uh, hitting the mic there. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Once once we hit a billion people, um, that that's what we're looking at. You look at you look at WhatsApp. Um, WhatsApp has something like two two billion people. Smartphones. There are uh, 4 billion smartphones in the world. 
So it's not impossible to scale in ways that you could have never done before. But if you're using a, a smartphone and providing a service that people need, it should go rapidly. Well, you're working magic, man. I really enjoyed getting to know you. Congrats on all the success so far. And I uh, hope it's not too volatile, but that you guys uh, continue to grow. Well, I'm sure it will be, um, but... No, I appreciate the opportunity to share with you. And Mike, I, I, I love, love your program. I love what you guys are doing. And I hope you can, can keep, keep spreading the good word. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Take care. Okay. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts, tweet about it, or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.